preparing for today, I actually heard an incredible, like, just thought experiment. Um, and, yeah, so if you were God, if you were perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing, how would you change the world? How would you fix the world? Anybody brave enough to answer? Well, wipe what away? Everything. The world. Anyone else? Sorry? Take the pain away? Take all the adults away. Interesting answer. Because... Um, all the nastiness. Yeah? I think... Because I heard that and the answer quite surprised me. Um, because the guy was saying, if, hypothetically, there was a perfect God and he knew everything and he was all-powerful, what world would he create? Because that's basically what you're trying to answer. If. It's like... But we have that God, and He has created this world, and He has allowed it to play out this way. So where are we looking at it and saying, you know what, it's good what you've done, but we're basically looking at it as like a kid's art experiment. It's like, ah, good try. Maybe you could do better next time. If, if I was you, I, I could do better, because I would change this, and I would change that, and I would change this. And it's like, I understand that, that answer and I understand, understand that logic. And then I was sitting, contemplating this and looking over at a table next to me at a restaurant. And this lady wheels up her child, as you can clearly see, is like mentally challenged. And I was like, oh God, I don't know if that answer quite works for the pain that I'm seeing. And, and yet... Out of that entire restaurant, the happiest couple there was the couple that was with this child. And I was like, oh man, this mixture of the pain. And then like you could see the joy that was actually because they appreciated what they were a part of. And oof, uh, yeah, there was just the, the mixture of life, I guess. Um, so then another question, what is wrong with the world? People. Poverty. I don't know. Like sin? Sin. Sin. What's the answer? Okay, but Jesus came. Well, that we accept what he did for us. Okay. 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 So the church. It's like us. We're actually the answer for the problems in the world. As like hectic as that sounds, it's like we know Jesus is the answer. It's the right answer for any any Christian like question. <laughs> when in doubt, Jesus. It's, somehow you can you can make it be the right answer. Um 
So today was basically based on last week uh, I was preaching and I said there's something of our diversity of expression becomes our strength when we're united around the truth. And I'm like, ah, I think there's, there's something there that God, God wants us to be united. And they want, there wants to be a unity amongst us. But at the moment, we, we look at it and we've said the church is the answer. But there's incredible division in the church. So what divides the church? Doctrine? Doctrine? Anything else? Human nature. Human nature. Stubbornness. Stubbornness. That's good. Culture, pride. Unrighteous expectations. Unrighteous expectations. That sounds fancy (laughs) Christian words. So, unforgiveness. Yeah, I think it's a better list than what I came up with. <laughs> but I, there's, there's a lot that divides us in what we believe and what we what we're passionate about. But if I look at the, the church as us, the church, I don't think it's our doctrine that divides us that much. Um, but I agreed, like church globally and through history has been divided based on our doctrine. I think currently, I don't think we hold our doctrine strong enough to even disagree. Because we actually don't know what the Bible says, half of us. Yeah. And everybody, like me included, it's like we, we, we've been so shaped by our culture and entertainment and that we actually don't even know what we really stand for, that we, we can't, we don't really divide. We divide based on our, our opinions, but I don't know how well thought through our opinions are. And I think that the greatest thing that's actually robbing us of unified, like, building together is actually just our lack of, like, vision of that unity. Our lack of commitment to that unity. And a lot of it, I think, is just because of entertainment. It's... It's less that we divide it. It's more that we're actually just distracted. If you think of like an army that's standing together, we're all in the same page or in the same place. But if we're not united around victory for this, somebody's staring off into the distance and that, as we, we might not have anything seriously dividing us, but if we're just distracted, it's as good as if we divided. And God wants to bring unity so that we can actually affect change, that we can seriously transform culture, we can transform ourselves, we can so oh my God, what, what is the passage of scripture that, that brings uni- unity in the body and actually Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 16 literally says unity in the body of Christ and I don't think it's a coincidence that God's been speaking to us about gifts and what he wants to give us and this is probably where you may have heard this before where it it talks about gifts. So I'm going to read through this. And I've got one simple message for today. But Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, consider himself, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We often struggle with what am I called to? This answers this. 
you are supposed to live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us. According to the measure of Christ's gift, each and every one of you have been given a gift. You've been given grace for a specific calling and gifting. He's uniquely made you to fulfill a role in his church, in this church, that nobody else can fulfill. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men and women. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might be fill all things. So Jesus came down to earth so that he could show us what humanity was like and what he could be and what a human could do empowered by the Spirit. And then he was raised up and he's ascended and he's been lifted up and we've seen Jesus. Like we said, the answer is always Jesus. But then he's actually, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He's given us gifts. Some of them are apostles, are prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, but some of them are everybody else and everybody's been given a gift so that we can actually all work together to raise us up as a body, as the body of Christ, to the same like level as Christ. So we've lifted up Christ, and you've got this picture of like Christ being this big head with this tiny little body. And he's actually saying, I've equipped the church so that you will grow as a body, so that the body will match the head. It's like that, that picture is actually, we, we call to equip each other, and we call to raise each other up and bear with one another and walk in humility and gentleness and kindness and bearing with one another. And when we've got a problem with somebody else, actually bearing with them and speaking into them and sometimes going to them and saying, hey, I've, I've got this. Do you see this? How do we fight together for the unity of the Spirit so that this body can actually reflect what Christ came to show us? Because by doing that, we will change the world. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from which the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. If you guys have ever seen that skit on like almost counseling where a guy comes in and it's like, hey, I've got like these problems. And he's like, oh, don't worry, that, that's, that won't really be necessary here. We, we don't need to go into all your past. I've got a simple system. It's like if you're not healed like in five minutes, it's like, so it's like, no, but I've got a problem. It's like, oh, well, stop it. No, but I, I really, I'm, I'm worried about the future and I'm worried about, well, stop it. 
It's like, no, 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 but you don't understand. No, 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 we don't do that here. <laughs> We've got one simple, simple strategy. It's just stop it. It's like, no, but I'm struggling with, no, stop it. We don't, we don't go into all of that. And the message for today is simple, similar to that. It's grow up. Like, grow up. No, but I'm struggling with this person and I'm struggling with it. No, grow up. It's like, that sounds harsh. It's like, no, grow up. And it's not a criticism. It's a compliment. It's a compliment to what you are capable of doing. God says, I have called you. Do you understand what I have called you to? I have adopted you as my children. I have planned and purposes for you. I have a hope. I have given you every spiritual blessing. I have given you the power of the Spirit. I have called you by name. I have adopted you as my sons and daughters. And I say you can do this. Grow up. Not because you have to, but because you can. Dean, do you understand what you are called to? You understand the man of God that he wants to create you. You can do this. You can walk in humility and gentleness and kindness. You can bear with one another. You can bear up under the load. You can take whatever the world throws at you because you can do it. You are called to be the saints of God. You've been given gifts. You've been given the grace of God. You've been given grace and hope and power and strength to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. So grow up. There's no reason for you to be held back. There's no reason for that sin to be holding you back. There's no reason for that unforgiveness to be holding you back. There's no reason for that division, that doctrine, that anything to be dividing us. There's no reason. We can actually walk in the fullness of what God has for us. But to do that, we have to grow up. So that growing up is that complement to who you are. I've had this conversation many times with Michelle and with our kids. And it's like, ah, when, you, when you bring correction into a situation, when we're talking about it and we're disagreeing, it's like when you bring in the truth, it can seem like you're criticizing. Where it's like, actually, this is wrong here. Chatting to my kids and it's like, do you understand why what you did there is wrong? But you bring in discipline because you love your kids. Because you see the potential in them. You see the future that's locked up in them. And God wants to come and do that to us. He wants to come and speak into our lives and into our church, into what He wants to do. And He's saying, grow up. Because there's a responsibility placed upon us. So it's a compliment, but there's also a responsibility to growing up. Because you are called, Derek and Warren and Kamal, you are called to be the saints of God. You are called and you are gifted to operate in the fullness of what God has made you guys. To the work of ministry. It's not for anybody else. It's not for just me. It's not for the professional people. It's not for the professional Christians. It's not... It's for each and every one of us to walk in the fullness of the gifts that we've been given. What does it say? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ has given us gifts. He's apportioned them out perfectly. 
He knows exactly what you're called to. He knows exactly what you've gone through. We don't need to be the judge. We don't need to decide whether I'm a five talent or a three talent or a one talent person. God is the perfect judge. One day he will look and he knows exactly how to divide up what you've gone through. I said that this world is the perfect world, not because everything is perfection at the moment, but it's perfectly designed to teach us and train us in the ways of God. It's perfectly designed for us to understand the grace of God. I don't understand the fullness of it. I don't understand the fullness of why sin is allowed to to continue. But what I do know is that because of sin, I understand the grace of God. Because I understand the fullness of who God is. I understand what Jesus came to do for us. I understand the division between right and wrong because of that. Apart from sin entering in the world, I don't think we would have known that. The answer at the beginning of like, man, we'd eradicate pain. What happens now when you, when you have no senses? That's leprosy. It's like leprosy is literally where your nerves are gone. It's, it does away with the feeling of pain. Because of that, you end up damaging your body. Because your, your, your feeling is gone. What happens to people that don't endure pain in their life, that have everything provided for them, that have every opportunity? They aren't raised up to maturity. I went through this morning and it's like there's about 13 different incredible pictures of orphans, of what they were raised up to do. They literally say it's like there's one almost guaranteed way to greatness. And that's to actually to lose your parents too early. Because you are faced with such adversity, it forces you to raise up. Hmm. Can't talk to you now. (laughs) But it, it went through like 13 different incredible pictures of orphans. And one of the most famous in South Africa is one of the heroes of South Africa. It's Nelson Mandela. He was orphaned at the age of nine and raised up by his tribal chief. And because of what that shaped inside of him, it led to the man that we saw. It's not the only thing, but there's something about the challenges that we face that forces us to be raised up to the fullness of what God wants us to go through or to be. To equip the saints for the works of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the hope that we are called to. You wonder what we call to. You called to mature into the stature of the fullness of Christ. Men and women, each and every one of us, is called to grow up to the full maturity, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Have we thought about that? It's like when we talk about calling, we're like, oh, I want to know what role I'm going to play and what I'm going to do and what my gifting is. 
But that is so, I don't know, it's so far short of what we are called to actually do. We're called to, to embody Christ. We're called to that maturity where actually we operate with the love that Christ had. To be the hands and feet of Christ. It's in your own unique way. Amber, you are called to embody Christ in this world. In every relationship that you have, in every friendship, to family members, you're called to operate with that maturity and that grace and that compassion and all uniquely displayed in your diverse way. So you don't have to be like everybody else. The way God has crafted you and created you, that is who you get to be. That is who each and every one of us get to be. We get to become like Christ in our own unique, diverse way of expressing it. Which sounds hectic. So it sounds unattainable. It's like we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount with these incredible high lofty ideals that this is who we call to be. This incredible radical new community. Imagine a community where we actually cared for each other. And we bore each other, like we'd carry each other's burdens. We would walk in gentleness and humility and kindness. And when we were going through stuff, we would actually share our resources. We talk about that devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. After that comes the signs and wonders and a community that is sharing everything that they've got where there's no need amongst them, where we actually start being a community that loves each other and sees signs and wonders and miracles amongst them. That's the community we get to be. That's the unity that we long for. The unity that we're working towards. The unity that we're praying for. But Paul started this off where he's saying, like, therefore, walk worthy. Therefore, it's like because of everything that's come from chapters 1, 2, and 3 in Ephesians, that's where God has called us and chosen us and given us the grace and mercy and the peace of God and He's predestined us and He's given us every spiritual blessing and He's empowered us. But He also writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of these glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, work worthy. Walk worthy. Therefore, grow up. Therefore, grow up. Because the power of the Spirit is coming in and showing us the fullness of Christ's love for you. Therefore, grow up. We get to grow up. It's a compliment. It's a responsibility. 
But it's also an invitation to actually understand the Spirit of God coming in and showing us who Christ is, who we can be, and strengthening us that we could actually be a church like that. I think the reason why I was supposed to actually preach first, uh, this was not the plan, as you guys saw, but it's so that we can actually take communion now, and then we're going to worship in response to what Christ has done. Because... That is who we call to be. That is who we are invited to be. To grow up to the fullness of what God has. Yeah, I think you can still hand them up. Lord, I, I just thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and your blood. Thank you for the church that you are shaping and creating, Lord. Where brothers dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. That you want to bring unity amongst us. That you want to come and transform us. That you would eradicate any unforgiveness, any pride, any division amongst us. Whether it's doctrinally or where we just distracted, Lord. I pray that you would captivate our hearts. That you teach us what it means to be devoted to you. It doesn't mean devoted to this church. It means devoted to you. I think of last week where there's an invitation to go all in. It's all in on you, God. For whatever you have for us, for our futures, for our families. We say yes to you. Thank you that it's your sacrifice that made this possible, Lord.